Welcome to this clinical law briefing. My name is Robert Wheeler. I work in Southampton as a children's surgeon and clinical lawyer. I run the Department of Clinical Law and hope this podcast concerning a legal aspect of clinical life will interest you. This briefing relates to experimental treatments. There was this man called D, and he was 22 years old. He was a Lance Corporal in the British Army, and he had served three tours in Afghanistan before he was assaulted by a member of his own regiment in a bar. He suffered a diffuse axonal injury to his brain, with hematomas surrounding and between and inside the cerebral lobes. During the next year, he was intubated, ventilated, had a tracheostomy, and fed via a nasogastric tube. Slowly, these supportive measures became unnecessary and he moved to military rehabilitation. In the following three years, his extensive therapies for physical mobility, cognitive, neurophysiological input and speech and language rehab resulted in substantial improvement. But he continued at the time of the case to have very significant disabilities and global cognitive impairment. Because of all that, he's got reduced attention and concentration. He's got reduced information processing and memory and executive function. And he has poor receptive and expressive language. His mother had identified stem cell therapy as a possible option for treatment of his brain injury. Dee, having been told of that, had expressed a strong desire to receive it, but he lacked the capacity to pursue it on his own. He had already received financial compensation for his injury, but both the Ministry of Defence and the official solicitor, who, by the way, acts on his behalf as an incapacitated adult, they both opposed allowing his funds to be used in this way. These two authorities presented the proposed stem cell treatment in Belgrade as unproven and risky. The Ministry of Defence viewed Dee's mother as feeling that she had a strong and natural desire to see her son's condition improve, but that had clouded her ability objectively to judge the likely efficacy of the treatment and the risks to D of undergoing experimental treatment of this kind. On the contrary, the Ministry of Defence submitted that the stem cell treatment had no proven medical benefit and was not a viable option. The judge discussed the possible treatment with D on the telephone and concluded that the wishes he was expressing to receive the treatment were genuinely his own. Whilst Dee was over-optimistic as to the extent to which the treatment might provide improvement, the judge found that his statements reflected a powerful expression of the strength of his feelings to have treatment. The court found that it was almost certain that Dee would be much more miserable if he was denied the therapy, and did not accept the proposition that his reaction to refusal would be mere disappointment, but that his adverse reaction would significantly impede and delay his rehabilitation. Equally, the court found it was undeniable that in the event of side effects or treatment failure, Dee would also suffer, as could his rehabilitation. But the judge also pointed out that, and these are his words, for people with disabilities, the removal of such freedom of action as they have to control their own lives, may be experienced as an even greater affront than it would be by others who are more fortunate. So, having balanced the risks and disadvantages of these options, the court reached a clear conclusion that the provisional consent 
should be given to Dee to travel to Belgrade for stem cell treatment. But not before stringent conditions were in place to ensure that the clinic fully considered Dee's details, providing a formal undertaking he was suitable for stem cell therapy and would provide detailed plans of both travel and treatment and follow-up arrangements. And finally, the official solicitor was authorised to maintain a degree of control over these arrangements. After all, Dee's pot of money given to him as a result of his injury was his only and precious resource. Underlying this decision were words from an American court a century ago. And those words were, All life is an experiment. This portends a more modern decision by a senior English judge who said, and this is his words, physical health and safety can sometimes be bought at too high a price in happiness and emotional welfare. The emphasis must be on sensible risk appraisal, not striving to avoid all risk, whatever the price, but instead seeking a proper balance and being willing to tolerate manageable or acceptable risks as the price appropriately to be paid in order to achieve some other good, in particular to achieve the vital good of the elderly or vulnerable person's happiness. What good is it making someone safer if it merely makes them miserable? A good principle on which to base clinical decisions. I hope this was useful, but if you would prefer to read rather than to listen to me, by all means look at the Clinical Law website on the UHS webpage or type Clinical Law into a search engine.